Joshua chapter 1, I, I fear this morning uh, that I'm going to try to preach five messages. Uh, pick one that you like and just go with that one, okay? Uh, but this morning, we're going to look at Joshua, who he was. And I, I want to warn you at the outset that there is no hero in the Bible other than God, okay? When you look to great men or great women of the Bible and you're uh, amazed at what they've accomplished, know this one thing, that they are just people like you and me. Um, and that God is the only one that deserves credit for anything great that happens in the Word of God. Joshua starts out after the death of Moses. After the death of Moses. First one says, after the death of Moses. And you say, well, that's just kind of a historical marker, right? Uh, you, you get this picture, I don't know how well you know um, the history of the Bible, of God's people, but... God uh, chose his people, uh, and because of some, uh, you know, so th- through the generations, they end up in Egypt. God saves them and allows them, uh, through Joseph, uh, God's people moved down to Egypt. And you know what happened there, right? Uh, they just multiplied. That was the big thing they did down in Egypt, worked and multiplied into a great nation. And then he... Uh, God, in his own design and plan, he raises up a man, raises up a man of his own choosing, uh, named Moses, named Moses, in Egypt, and put some special circumstances together in his life that he could raise up and be the leader of God's people and to take them out of Egypt and taking them to that place called the Promised Land, because God promised that land to him. Hence the name, Promised Land, okay? So they're heading to the Promised Land, and Moses is in charge. If you look at those first five books of the Bible and you ask a question, who is the leader of God's people? Who is the, who, who's the guy who everyone looks to as the model for leadership? They would say Moses. They'd say Moses. Adam didn't do so well. I don't know if you, you noticed that uh, the significant things that Adam did weren't good ones, Okay. And everyone else had their problems, and Moses did as well. But Moses did this amazing sense of leadership to get God's people out of the promised land. And everyone sees how God worked in Moses' life. Well, it says, after the death of Moses. After the death of Moses. So the the place where this is happening in history for Joshua is after the death of Moses. And I'm making a big deal out of this for one reason, okay? Um as men, I don't know if women do this as well, I, you know yourselves, okay? But uh, as men, <clears throat> we, love, we love to work hard and to just do our best. And just, uh, but the, the sense of leadership is always something we grab for. But once it's attained, we go, what have we gotten ourselves into, okay? And that's, that's the place where this is happening, you, you sense this huge group of people. And if you can picture yourself, each, each one of you, if you can picture yourself in amongst million, millions of people, a couple million, two, three, four million, somewhere in there. You're, you're in this pile of people. And there's that little dot, you know, the, the laser pointer. And it's kind of going through the crowd. It's going through the crowd of all the people. And then it lands on you. And lands on you, and you're looking. Oh, there it is. 
And everyone kind of turns around and looks to you. Moses is dead. He's not going to help you anymore. He's no longer going to lead. Well, who's going to lead now? And it's not like Joshua this caught him off guard. But he looked down and he says, Oh, I'm leading now. Oh, I've done amazing things. You can look at the previous books and you can see some of the things that Joshua was able to be a part of. But now it was him. It was him. And as I think about men this morning, I was talking to Brandon earlier this week, and uh, I was telling him what I was going to preach on, and he goes, oh, it's like having a baby, huh? That sense of being overwhelmed and like, what do I do now? That feeling of saying, shouldn't somebody else be here to take care of this? Shouldn't Moses at least be standing here saying, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that, okay? That's going to mess everything up. You, you, you. Joshua is now the guy. And I want to tell you, men, in your home, in your role, where God has placed you, you're the guy, okay? Um, so... So if you're married here today, you're the guy that's supposed to be the husband. There's nobody else that should be the husband, okay? This is where God brought you. And you're saying, well, maybe somebody else. There's, there's all kinds of warnings in Scripture against that stuff, okay? You are the guy. You're to be the husband. No one else. When your wife needs a husband, she needs you. The laser pointer is on you. And you say, well... Uh, you know, there's all, you know, I, I don't know how I got here. It doesn't matter how you got here this morning. It's a needless conversation, okay? If you're a husband here today, guess what? She needs you. She needs you. If you're a father here this morning, that, that's another one, right? You say, well, how did I get to this place? You know, I, I wonder, I, I never, I never signed up for this. It doesn't matter what you signed up for. It doesn't matter where you are today. God has brought you to this place. If your kids need a father, it's you. It's you they need. And there's this feeling of being caught. I don't know, if men, if you're feeling the, this whole idea of saying, well, let somebody else do it. No, it doesn't work that way, does it? Let somebody else be the husband. Let somebody else be the father. Let somebody else be the leader. Let somebody else do my job. It doesn't work that way. And so Joshua is pinned in, as many of us feel, that he knows that this is the place where God has placed him, and yet his fears and cares and insecurities and lack of experience cause him to kind of be going, what do I do now? What do I do now? After the death of Moses. So what happens after the death of Moses? Joshua is now in charge of God's people. And you look at verses 1 and 2. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I am giving you, giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now you're in charge. Let's do it. Okay. So in the midst of uh, 
a difficult time of Moses' death, now Joshua is in charge. And he, like many of us, are scared to death of the leadership responsibility that we have placed upon us. Men, uh, it's important um, to see how Joshua proceeded from here. And really, not just how Joshua proceeded, but uh, what God gave him so that he could succeed uh, in the steps ahead of him. If you look down, uh, so, so Moses, or Joshua's scared to death. He's got huge responsibility. There's a sense of God-given leadership and position for him. <clears throat> now we see what God gives him. Look down at verses 6 and 7. He says, be strong and courageous. Be, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I, I think that's interesting. Um, when God tells him to be something uh, that exhibits strength and the idea of not being afraid and be, acting out that nobility and that courage that says, I will charge that hill. Why does he tell them that? Well, Let's not even let's skip that question of why, <clears throat> but that was verse 6. Skip down to verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Okay? Let me repeat myself, God says to him. You're supposed to be strong and courageous. Yes, you are supposed to be strong and very courageous. You skip down to verse 9. <clears throat> Have I not commanded you? Did you not get it the first two times I said it? Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Okay? He says, be, this is what I want you to be. Verse 18, I'm, I'm sorry, verse, yeah, verse 18, you go on and he's talking to God's people. <clears throat> and Joshua is speaking with him. And the last part, it says, whoever rebels against, uh, uh, rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, meaning that the people said, we will respond. Um, Whatever you command, um, you, they shall be put to death. O only be strong and courageous. We want to follow a leader that's strong and courageous. I find this interesting because at this point, Joshua hasn't exhibited much leadership at all. We don't have any recorded events that Joshua, now that Moses has died, now jo jo Joshua is in charge you don't have any picture of what he's done, but he's saying, you be strong and courageous, no matter what comes. This is the picture, Pastor Mike's uh, book on egoless elders uh, has a chapter on this. It's the picture of virtue. It's the idea of saying, God, no matter what happens, I'm in. It's the blank check that says, I will obey. I will do this. And what is he calling to do? Be strong and courageous. Don't give up. You know, there's a sense, men, as we look out on the horizon, what's going to be there? I don't know. It's going to be tough stuff, though, right? The leadership of your home is tough, okay? Your kids and sometimes your wife will work against you. And there's a sense where God has placed you in the home and we look to be like Adam, right? Instead of like Joshua. It's this woman you gave me, Lord. I was doing just fine, but this woman you gave me, Lord. Right? It's tough stuff. 
God told the Joshua, I placed you in a position of leadership. I put you as that, that one to lead his people. I know you're scared, but I want to tell you, be strong and courageous. Why did he tell him to be strong and courageous? Um, because he was scared, right? And you say, well, where do you get that? Um, well, it's all over this passage that I uh, briefly talked about. But look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened or do not be dismayed. When, when you tell someone not to be afraid, you don't tell them that just because the weather's nice today. You see the look of fear on their face, right? You know that that's their tendency. Does God know Joshua? Absolutely. And he says, I know you will be if you're not already. I know that this is what you struggle with. Don't be dismayed. Don't be left aside. Don't be frightened. Why? I'll take care of this. You, you have what it is to be strong and courageous. Whatever's coming up. And I want to tell you, men, trust in God before anything happens. Trust in God before anything happens. You'll have to trust God later as well. But be able to say today, whatever comes up, I will trust you, God. I, I will not quit. I, I will not give up. I will exhibit your strength and courage that comes from you, no matter what. No matter what. So trust in God before anything happens. Skipping over to chapter 3. Um, Moving right along. This is the third message I'm preaching, okay? Number three. My Bible, it's titled, Israel Crosses the Jordan. So they're about ready to really uh, head into this campaign to take over the promised land. And you wonder, well, how do you prepare? Uh, how, how do you, you know, when you're about to in embark on on something that you believe God wants you to do. How do you get ready for that? Well, it's in chapter 3, verse 5. I love this. Um, It says this, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves. Another word uh, for that would be sanctify or to make holy. And the picture here is this, is to take yourselves and set yourselves aside for the special purpose of God. Take yourself from all that is common and sinful in this world. And he says, set yourselves aside because God wants to use you. God's about ready to do amazing things through you. So set yourselves aside for him. I love it. Joshua knew that as you go and as you're on the edge of that which God calls you to do, you need to set yourself aside for him and him alone. You know, um, what can you be used for in this world today? All kinds of stuff, right? You can have many different jobs. You can fill your days with many uh, different activities and things. But what the picture is here is this. Set yourself aside for Him. For Him. Do you see yourself as His? 
Men, do you, uh, you ident- is your identity wrapped up in you being a vessel to be used by God? Consecrate yourselves to Him today. You know, He, he, he needs to own you. He needs to own you. It's not just that uh, you kind of dabble in what it is to follow after God, but God needs to own you. He needs to own you. And Joshua understood this, and as he gathered the people, he says, Look, consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves aside for him and him alone. That was the third message. On to number four. Skip over to chapter 6. And these are just some of the highlights of what is found in the book of Joshua. A picture of what it is to walk with God. When you're scared and when uh, you don't have the resources personally. This is what we are to do, men. You look at chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, it says this, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the mighty man of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. Thus shall you do it for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout in the walls of the city, will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark. And he said to the people, Go forth, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. Well, what's there? Um... I don't get it. It doesn't see. Some of you have been in the church a very long time and you've heard this story from a, a child and it makes total sense to you, right? If you're going to take a city, you got it, you get the city, you got them pinned down, they're inside the city, you know where, what's going to happen next. If you want to take the city, you just walk around it. Bring your instruments, right? I'm happy when I'm hiking, right? And you walk around it, and then at the end, you yell really loud. And it'll all be done. Doesn't make sense, does it? Some of you who have a strategic mind said, you know, that doesn't seem like the, the, the way to wage war. To take a city is to yell really loud and walk a lot around them with instruments. It's the... Uh, orchestra battle plan, right? <laughs> so we'll just play music. You know, they didn't even have a banjo, Rick. That's the thing that I noticed there. They didn't bring the banjo, at least not recorded. 
you look at that, and this is, was, was not Joshua's plan. It was God's plan. And, and men, if you're going to be mighty, if you're going to be strong and courageous, it, it's real simple what you see here, is you want God to fight for you with his plan, not yours. Not yours. Not your methods, not your tools, not the way you used to do things, not the way your father taught you how to do things. You, you want to let God fight your battles his way. And there's a real important principle there is because God wants the credit when we're done, right? And you say, well, why don't I get the credit? Because you couldn't do it without him. That's why you need him. And he is the one to be praised and worshiped. He is the one that deserves the credit for the victories in our life. You know, men, uh, many things we've messed up. Uh, many things our fathers have messed up and our grandfathers and a long line of uh, things messed up because we were trying to do things our way with our plan, with our tools, not listening to the Lord. So um, that's what we do. Uh, we let God fight our battles His way. Skip over to chapter 9. You see plenty of uh, weakness in, in Joshua, uh, if you understand how much he depended on the Lord and realized that he needed the Lord. But you don't see too many failures in the book of Joshua. But there's at least one, and it's significant. Chapter 9 uh, is this real interesting. So, uh, God gave them this land. God gave them this land. It was part of his plan. He says, drive out these people from this land. I've given you this land. This land is yours. It's interesting that it was meant to be a blessing for God's people as well as a judgment for the people who lived in the land. And so he says, uh, get rid of all these people. They, they're under my judgment. I'm giving you this land. It's an amazing land. Don't leave anybody here. Okay, Drive them out. Drive them out. And part of what he had told them is, this is your land, don't make treaties with anyone. And so you have this, uh, this interesting section of scripture where you have this group of people, the Gibeonites, as they, um, they hear of what's going on. And they're, what they're doing is, they're having success, God's people are having success as they go throughout the land, city by city. And these people hear about it and they realize it's only a matter of time till he comes and they come and wipe us out. And so they get a great plan. They say, hey, we're going to go to them and we're going to act like we're from far, far away outside the promised land. And then we're going to act like, you know, and so what they do is they put on these clothing, they get some old bread and some old wineskins and they, they act like they dress up. Like they're on a long, long journey and they just rolled into town and they wanted to show them how great they thought they were and make a treaty with them. And, and so this is their plan and they come and they come before the leaders of God's people and before Joshua. And you get this interesting, um, it, it just fascinates me as I, I think through uh, what, what happens here. If you look down at verse 14 and 15, um, so the men took 
some of their provision. They took some of their provision. What, what they did was they looked at the bread, the food that they had brought. They looked at the, 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 what they could see with their own eyes. And they looked at it and they, they verified that their story was correct. But this is the part, uh, it's just a small verse, verse 14. It says, so the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. But they did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of their congregation swore to them. As you read on throughout the rest of the chapter, they find out later that it was a deception. It was a lie that they were not from them. And they realized that they had not obeyed what God had told them to obey. Men, but he did not ask counsel of the Lord. We're so confident. We want to be strong leaders. We want to uh, be ones who can make a decision. We get to the fork in the road and we say, I got it. I got it. I can make a good decision. I make decisions. That's why I get paid the big bucks. I can make decisions. I don't have to hem and haw. You know, I don't have to stand there looking at it. I just know the right way to go and I'm going to do it. It's good to make decisions, men. It's good to charge up that road, up that hill. It's great, but don't do this one thing. Not consult the Lord. Not go to Him and say, God, this is what I want to do. This is what I think we should do. This is the decision I'm about to make. God, is this what you really want me to do? Because I don't want to go without you. I I, I don't want to choose my own path. I want to consult you. How many times have I done that? How many times have I gotten to that place where I said, I'm just going to go. I, I know what I'm supposed to do. What? And it's dangerous, right, men? It, it's dangerous. Why? Because you're a husband, right? You're a father. And when you make bad decisions, what happens? Your, your wife gets to enjoy them. Your kids get the benefit of your bad decisions, Right? I said, why are we doing this? It's my idea. Man, we don't want to do that. Consult the Lord in everything. So we move on uh, through the book of Joshua. Turn to chapter 24. You understand how the book book progresses. You have them coming into the promised land, going city by city, taking and possessing the land. And they have not possessed it when we get to chapter 24. It's not like the job is complete, but they've gotten a handle on quite a bit. And and Joshua comes to the place where he is going to relinquish some of his leadership and kind of shove the people out to possess the lands that that they were to possess and that would to would be theirs. You realize that Joshua up to this point has been the one that they look to. And there have been some successes and also at least that one failure that we know about and probably some others. 
And there's a great covering of leadership. I know that most of you know that. In fact, um, there's a sense of when somebody else is leading, it's fun. It's fun. And the reason it's fun is because you can criticize all you want. And you say, well, if I would be president, you know, not, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody here or anything like that, but uh, the president's messing everything up. You know why the president's messing everything up? It's because we didn't vote for you either, right? And we would never get to be president, right? But there's a sense of leadership that's a dangerous place, right? And in your family, it's a dangerous place. And in this church, it's a dangerous place because people can point to you and say, uh, you messed everything up. Well, Joshua is now taking a step back. He's taking a step back. And he calls on the people. And it's such an important um, call that he calls. And we know this. Many of you have heard this before. But as Joshua instructs the people, this is what he says in verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And it's e- if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river and the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You get the picture? And Joshua puts it to him, doesn't he? He says, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. This is what you should do. You should fear the Lord. You should serve Him. You should walk with Him. You should obey Him. That's what you should do. But if you don't like that, if you don't like that, think about what your dad did. All those, all those idols he had, all those things that he loved so much that weren't according to what God wanted for you, why don't you go serve them? Or you remember back in Egypt, the stories that you heard? of They weren't supposed to do it, but they had these little idols, and they made them for themselves and their families, and, and they worshipped them and served them, and just kind of, and he says, if, if that's what you want, go back to them. Or maybe in our coming into the promised land, you, you saw some of the stuff that was left over. Or maybe you talk to some of the people that we conquered, these people, these Amorites, and you say, maybe that's what you want. Maybe this new culture, this new promised land, the, the people that were, maybe there's something out there for you. If you want that, go ahead, take it. Take it. Either do what your dad did or do what the people are doing today. But Joshua says this very important thing. He says this. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. The people that I have responsibility over, the people that I can really impact, this is what we're going to do at our house. And men, uh, it's so important for us to be there. What's your house looking like? What's going on in your house? So often we, we like to say, boy, the schools are bad. Whew. Where the school district's going these days, just, you know, culture today is so bad. What's on the TV? Oh, my goodness. 
You know, back when I don't forget about all that. What's going on in your house? That's what you have control over. You know, you you don't have. I'll be honest with you. You, you don't you don't have control over what's going on in the Bozler's house. Those wild preachers' kids and stuff like that. You don't you, you don't have any control over that. I'm sorry if my kids have impacted your kids in a negative way. I'm sorry if that's happened. But take care of your own house, right? Take care of your own house. It's so interesting. Um, as parents, so often, we're going to talk about parenting in a month or so as we look through the book of Proverbs. So often, parents, we go, oh, you know, where would they get that? Oh, they got it from school, or they got it from TV, or they got it from the Internet. Um, guess what? Guess what the greatest influence in your children's life? It's you. It's you. And you're in charge of what happens in your home. And Joshua couldn't even control as the great leader of God's people what everyone else was doing. And he comes to this point in his life and he says this, I want to tell you, you do whatever you're going to do, but I want to tell you what we're going to do here. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's sad as you go on and you look at uh, these last chapters of the book of Joshua. They're like, oh, we're with you. We're with you. They weren't with him. They weren't with him. They had big talk. They had big talk. But they did not come through on what they had said. I want to tell you, men, um, I I want you to think through this idea that what are you and your house going to do? You want to be a leader? Um, and you say, well, I don't really want to be the leader. Tough. You are. The dot is on you. Okay? You either fail at it, you either fail at it, or you walk with the Lord and He gives you grace for the day. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I, I want to point out one other thing that a man does. Um, he's willing to call others to choose alongside them. The same passage, right? He doesn't just quietly say, got my own house taken care of, forget it. But what he does is he points to his peers, those other families around him. He couldn't fix them, but what does he do? He calls to them, he says, choose for yourself, choose for yourself. Man, I, I don't think we do this often enough. We don't want to get involved in anybody else's business. We don't want to, uh, you know, we just want to keep it a nice, quiet community where everyone does what they're going to do. And we watch as families all around us chase after the gods of the Amorites or the gods of their forefathers instead of the God that can protect them, that can help them. It's worthy to be worshipped and followed. Those are my seven messages for you this morning. Men, uh, fathers, if you're a father here today, I'd ask that you'd stand up and I'd like to pray for you uh, that God would give you the strength to be the father and the husband that he wants you to be. God, thank you. Thank you for these men. God, you know the cowardice of our own heart. You know our tendency towards looking for the easy way out. God, you know our um, desire to do things our own way. God, I ask that you give us uh, a heart of Joshua 
that struggled with all these things of being fearful that we are now the man. You have placed us in situations of leadership in our home, in our families, in our work. Um, that you've placed us there by your own will. And Lord, I ask that you would strengthen us and give us the courage and the power to walk with you, to do what you've called us to do, to not shrink back when it's difficult in the small, the daily activities. And God, I ask that you would also cause us to trust in your grace for the failures of the past, that we would not uh, lay down and quit. God, I, I love the sweetness of the, the book of Joshua to see his uh, weakness. And yet, because you were strong, uh, there was amazing things that happened. Lord, I pray that this morning that these men are encouraged to walk with you, that ultimately uh, they would impact their wife and their children, their grandchildren's great-grandchildren, people around them, according to your plan. Thank you for Bear Valley Church. We ask that you would prosper us as you see fit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. You are dismissed. Happy Father's Day as well.